Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Der Show. Well, nothing much happened since our last show except the first time in history, a former president and a man running to become the future president gets indicted. The indictment gets uh, unsealed. So this is the Get Trump Show, not the book Get Trump. I predicted all of this in my book, Get Trump. This is the reality show, Get Trump. Did they get Trump? That's the question. Now, it's not a reality show. Let me tell you why. It's not going to be on television. And that's wrong. There's no reason why the most important trial in modern history, maybe the most important trial since, since Aaron Burr or since the uh, assassins of Abraham Lincoln, in terms of constitutional law, in terms of legal issues in terms of affecting an election. And it's not going to be shown on television because the federal courts don't allow trials to be on television. State courts do, and the state trial may very well be on television, but federal courts don't allow it. Well, they should. And my proposal is that both Trump's lawyers and the lawyers for the government, for, for Jack Smith, ought to jointly petition the court to allow every aspect of the case to be on um, television, not, not the faces of the jurors, uh, not any classified or confidential material, but, you know, the trial, opening statements, closing statements, cross-examination of witnesses, introduction of testimony, the tape-recorded evidence, etc. Let it all be there. What do we have to hide? You know, uh, the legislature is on television, on C-SPAN. Nobody watches it, but it's there. Everybody would watch this. Um, the presidency is on television. He has press conferences. The State of the Union message is always televised. Why is the judiciary an exception? They're a co-equal branch of government. They are, in many instances, as powerful as any of the other branches of government. And their deliberations and proceedings should be televised. So I'm pushing very hard to see this case um, uh, televised. You know, there's an interesting phenomenon as you know, I was one of the lawyers in the O.J. Simpson case, and I was on television during the O.J. Simpson case, arguing some of my uh, motions, etc. They did a poll after the verdict came down. The verdict was shocking, obviously. A lot of people were very surprised. So, uh, there was a mountain of evidence against him, and the mountain crumbled. Um, but the poll showed that the people who watched it on television were much less surprised by the verdict than the people who had read it in uh, newspapers, read about it. And the same thing would be true here. If it's not on television, how are people going to learn about this case? Everybody wants to know about what's going on in the court. They're going to read about it in the New York Times. They're going to see it on CNN. They're not going to see it. They're going to see talking heads talking about it on MSNBC. They're not going to learn what really went on at the trial. They're going to learn what the left wants to go on at the trial. The same thing would be true 
of the right, if they hear about it on Fox and uh, other stations, Newsmax, uh, they're going to get the bias of those stations. Um, maybe not as biased. M maybe you'll get a straight, a straight reporting from the Wall Street Journal, which has turned out to be the, the straightest and the, the least biased um, of any of the um, major, major media. But the vast majority of people who read it, local papers, they read the New York Times, and they're going to get a biased approach to it. And there's just no reason why they can't see the witnesses themselves, see how they're cross-examined, see how they hold up. Um, you know, we're going to see witnesses, including um, President Trump's formal lawyers. Um, much of the case against them is based on things he allegedly told his, his lawyers. And first time really in history that you're going to have a trial in which a very, very considerable amount of testimony will come from the mouths of his lawyers because the prosecution claims and they persuaded a judge in an appellate court that they're right, though I think they're wrong. Uh, the prosecution claims that Trump and his lawyers engaged in what's called the fraud crime exception. That is, they engaged in fraudulent conduct, in criminal conduct, and that Trump was trying to use his lawyers and conversations with his lawyers to commit crimes. And so there is an exception to the lawyer-client privilege. I'm not sure it's satisfied in this case. According to the indictment, a number of the things Trump said was things like, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better if there were no documents? Suggesting maybe the destruction of documents. But I'm sure the lawyers said, no, it wouldn't be better. I mean, I've been doing this 60 years. I've had many, many clients in the beginning of a relationship before they really know who I am. Say, you know, wouldn't it be better if I ran off to Brazil? And my answer is no, no. A, you're going to get caught. And B, you're not going to have me as your lawyer. I'm not participating in any evasion of, of justice. That doesn't violate the privilege. Lawyers are constantly asked questions by their clients that are suggestive of criminal uh, behavior, and then they say no. And I don't know what the lawyers in this case said, but I just, it doesn't for me pass the smell test that so much of the indictment is based on statements made by Trump to his lawyers, and they care, took careful notes of it, and the notes were turned over and are now part of the indictment. It's not the only thing that they have on, on Trump. Um, he just talked too much. You know, the famous uh, stuffed fish that people have on plaques, and it says on the bottom, I'd still be swimming if I had kept my mouth shut. Trump should have had that in his Oval Office and in his offices since the Oval Office, because much of his problems grow out of what he, in fact, said. The worst is this tape recording, I'll just read you part of it, where they're discussing whether or not it was Trump who wanted to attack Iran or whether it was uh, General Mealy who wanted to attack Iran and, um, and, and, and Trump had his position. And he's talking to a writer who's writing a book about Meadows and he takes out a piece of paper and he flashes it. We don't know whether he actually showed it to him. We don't know whether... Anybody read it? We don't know what was on the paper because the paper is not in evidence. Apparently, the government doesn't yet have it. Maybe they'll find it. But uh, he says, um, 
oh, this was done by the military and given to me, apparently a battle plan for the attack on, on Iran. Um, I think we can probably write, and then that means can, can we show it to him? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to try to declassify it. Uh, figure it out. Yes. And then Trump says, see, as president, I could have declassified. This conversation occurs after he's president. As president, I, I could have declassified it. Yeah. Uh, Trump. Now I can't, you know, but this is still secret. Isn't that interesting? Well, that's not a smoking gun, but it's a gun and it has Trump's fingerprints on it, or at least his voice prints on it. And he's going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, probably try to explain it by saying, look, I'm Donald Trump. You think it's real? I think I really had classified material. I was just showing him a blank piece of paper and telling him that's what it, what it says. Well, we don't know. We don't know what the person to whom it was shown would testify to. As I say, we don't have the document itself. So we'll have to wait and see what develops and what what uh, the evidence actually shows. But look, this is a much, much stronger indictment than the New York indictment. The New York indictment is a joke. And the New York indictment actually hurts this indictment. It hurts the credibility of prosecutors because it proves my point and get Trump. They were out to get him. But look, uh, D.A. Bragg and Attorney General um, Letitia James, both campaigned. I mean, the name of my book, Get Trump, it's not original with me. It's their campaign slogan, essentially. They campaigned. Um, Letitia James couldn't find anything. Neither could brag, but he just made it up. He made up the law and he made up the facts and he concocted the worst, weakest indictment I've seen in 60 years of uh, doing this. Um, and um, uh, most scholars, even people on the hard left, most, not all, laugh at it. Oh, the New York Times had a series of articles saying it was it was good, it was okay, it was strong. And you know, some people who claim to be ethics professors, like a guy named Painters, are it's strong, it's strong, but they're they're full of it. It's not strong, it's weak, it's it's embarrassing. This one's strong. This one does have uh, allegations that have to be responded to. That allegation about the um, classified material. Yes. And allegations about the lawyer, if it's admissible, um, uh, instructing the lawyers and instructing other people to uh, move boxes um, and, and maybe make data disappear, although there's no allegation that actually happened. <clears throat> and then they indicted as a co-defendant his valet, basically, who was responsible for moving the boxes. Now, there's a story out there. I don't know whether it's true, and I don't want to credit it unless it's true, that a prosecutor went to the valet's lawyer and basically said, look, you're up for a judgeship in the District of Columbia. You want that judgeship? You get your client to flip against Donald Trump. If that happened, the case against the valet could be dismissed, but it has to be, it has to be proved. We know that Trump's having a very hard time getting first-rate counsel in Florida. I know of at least two people who are asked to be his lawyer, both of whom are great, great lawyers, both of whom I've worked with, and they both turned him down. I think part of the reason they, that everybody's turning him down 
is because of Project 65. Project 65 is this hard left McCarthyite group of lawyers who have pledged to disbar and discipline every lawyer who ever had anything to do with Donald Trump, defended him, defended anybody related to him. And so I wrote an op-ed piece when they announced that they were going after lawyers saying, I would represent any lawyer free of charge who was the victim of this McCarthyism. So what do you think they did? They filed a bar charge against me. Uh, and so lawyers are terrified about this because if you have a bar charge filed against you, it affects your ability to earn a living. It affects your standing in the community. Even if you're found innocent, it takes years to be found innocent. In the meantime, you have a bar charge hanging uh, over you. And it's just not right that a group of lawyers is engaging in this McCarthy tactic. It happened during the McCarthy period. People told lawyers, if you represent somebody who's accused of being communist, we're going to have you disbarred. Uh, we're going to not uh, use you as a lawyer. We're going to have you fired. Uh, that happened to people. And that's happening now. And I know a number of lawyers, other lawyers, who wanted to represent Trump in other connections, and their firms said, no, no, we don't want a bar charge uh, filed. We don't want uh, disciplinary charges filed against you. And so this is a real, real, real problem. Now, how do I analyze this? I have a piece, uh, a couple of pieces. I have one in the Wall Street Journal today. I have a piece in a magazine called Compass. Peace and Compass is, is an interesting one in which I say, what if both sides are guilty? What if Trump is guilty, but so are the prosecutors? And so I posed the following kind of law school hypothetical. This is like a law school class. So I'd be interested in knowing what you think about this. Hypothetically, let's go back to the 1930s. And let's assume there is a racist Ku Klux Klan person running to be prosecutor in a small rural area that is half black and half white. And his campaign pledge is, I will only investigate and prosecute black people. I'm not going to investigate and prosecute white people. So since white people are the ones that vote for the most part, uh, vote for me because you don't have anything to worry about. If you're black, you have something to worry about, but black people don't vote. Uh, um, they don't have the right ID, et cetera, et cetera. And so he does that. He gets elected and he investigates only, only crime committed by black people. And he finds a crime committed by a black person and he prosecutes him. And the black person goes to court and says, wait a minute, other crimes just like that are committed by white people. And he didn't prosecute them. And the judge said, this is not about them. This is only about you. And you're guilty. Um, would we be satisfied with that? Uh, how is that different? Well, it is different. Here it's not race. Here it's politics. So let's switch the hypothetical to politics. Let's assume that a uh, Republican uh, runs uh, for office and says, uh, I'm only going to prosecute Democrats, Republicans, you don't have to worry about anything. I'm only prosecuting Democrats. And he investigates only Democrats and he prosecutes a Democrat for something he did, something he's guilty of. <clears throat> Does that pass muster legally, morally, politically? How is this case different? In this case, Democrat elected, brag, Letitia James, and Democrat-appointed Jack Smith, basically you're targeting Donald Trump. In the first two cases, the DA and the Attorney General, they say it. They say it. We're going after Trump, and if we don't get him, don't vote for us again. That's our job, getting Trump. Jack Smith is different. He was assigned 
to get Trump, um, to investigate Trump and only Trump. It would have been very different if he had been assigned to look into the mishandling of classified information by former public officials. Then his mandate would include Joe Biden, when he was formerly the vice president of the United States, Vince Pence, uh, it would include Hillary Clinton, it include Sandy Berger, who's now deceased, but it would include the others. And then he'd have, and Trump, and he'd have to make a comparative judgment, but that's not his job. He's not allowed to look into Hillary Clinton. He's not allowed to look into Joe Biden. He's only allowed to focus on Donald Trump. Is that fair? I am opposed to the concept of special counsel who are tasked to target a particular individual. I have no problem or have less of a problem at least if a special counsel is appointed to look into an issue, an issue, the issue of mishandling of classified material, the issue of Iran-Contra, the issue of you name it. But when you're tasked to go after a particular person, it sounds a little bit more like a bill of attainder. You know, bill of attainder used to be the legislature would pass a law convicting somebody of a crime and sentencing them to death. And they were, they were hanged or beheaded. And um, the only two things prohibited in the United States Constitution um, are bills of attainder. The rest are in the Bill of Rights, but in the body of the Constitution. Bills of attainder and ex post facto laws. Um, and uh, so it was pretty important to the framers not to specify individuals. And of course, that's what special counsel does. It specifies individuals and it limits the right and the power of the special counsel to go after only that individual. He cannot expand his jurisdiction to go after Hillary Clinton or to go after President Biden or to go after Vice President Pence. He can't do that. It's outside of his jurisdiction. Um, and he didn't try to do that. And some instances, Starr actually sought permission and to go outside of his mandate um, when the information came up uh, about some of uh, Clinton's sexual alleged misconduct. Uh, but uh, Smith didn't do that. He just, just focuses on Trump. In fact, it's interesting because he has three or four things he's supposed to investigate. One, Washington, D.C., January 6th. The other, Fulton County, this. But he has only one person. So instead of having a special counsel for Washington, D.C., let's look into what happened in Washington, D.C. Let's look at, see who did what. Okay, that would be one thing. He didn't, they don't do that. They say, we're giving you a name, Donald Trump, and then you can pick the areas and the incidents that you look at instead of a special counsel for incidents or areas. So I don't like it. I've never liked it. I wrote against it in, in, in articles and books going back into the 1990s. In fact, probably even before that, I was against it. Justice Scalia uh, was against it. Uh, and a lot of people are against the concept of special counsel uh, focusing on one individual. And I think this case proves beyond any doubt that that's just not the right approach. It's not the American approach. It's not the due process approach. It's certainly not the equal protection approach. And the, the chutzpah prize, the chutzpah prize goes to Jack Smith, who's generally a decent guy. Everybody can hear about him is, is good. But he had a press conference in which he says, 
there is only one set of laws for Americans and everybody has to obey by, by the same laws, equal protection of the law. How can he say that when his only job was to get Trump? His only job was to look to see if there's enough evidence to prosecute Trump to a hammer. Everything looks like a nail to a special prosecutor. All the evidence looks like it's evidence against the person who you're allowed to look at. You can't look at anybody else. So it's not right. And so what should the attitude of people be if they believe that Trump did something wrong and he proves it out of his own mouth, but that he never would have done it, certainly never would have been caught, if not for the impropriety of targeting him and singling him out for prosecution. It's more of a moral, historical, political argument that it may be a successful legal argument, but it's certainly worth considering and worth making. It's just not something that, as an American, I feel comfortable about. There are a number of things about this indictment that don't pass the smell test for me. I'm going to keep an open mind. I'm going to see how things develop. Um, I'm going to keep an open mind, open ears, and open eyes. I'd love to be able, however, to see the trial. And I'm not going out of Florida to watch it. Um, I want to see it on television. I want every American to see it. And I would urge you to write to your uh, congressman, to your newspaper, saying, open the trial. I don't know whether Trump wants it open or closed. I have no idea. He may want it closed. Um, I have no idea whether the prosecution wants it open or closed. I can tell you the American people want it open and they want everybody to be able to see it. The Constitution guarantees a public trial. There was no television at the time the Constitution was written. So we don't know for sure what the framers would have said about televising trials. But I have a pretty good idea. You know, back in the day, a public trial meant people around town could come and watch it and the newspapers could report on it. And you can't close courtrooms that creates a violation of the Constitution. But I think public trials have to be interpreted as trials that are as open as the current technology allows it to be on computers, on cell phones, on televisions. And I would like to see a movement toward all trials, federal and state, being uh, available for televising. But certainly this case this case, one of the most important was the Supreme Court made an exception when it had the abortion cases and some of the other cases. They broke their own rules. They didn't allow television, but they allowed transmission of the actual argument during the argument. That was a change in the rules, and there's no reason why you can't see a similar change of the rules in this case. Look, you want to do it just on audio? It's foolish, but better than nothing. But I'd rather see it on radio, on television, audio, video, everything. Let the court be closed if there's any disclosure of classified material. Let not the jurors' faces be seen. There are a whole range of restrictions that already apply in state cases. There's no reason they can't apply equally in federal cases. And there's no sense that these state cases are handled any differently or are or, or, have different outcomes or than they would if they were not they were not televised. I've argued uh, cases that have been televised. I forget about the television immediately. I focus on my audience. My audience is the judge or the jury or 
whoever I'm arguing in front of, but not not the media. That's not what I think about. Television cameras, the last thing in my mind, although I do advise my client to be sensitive uh, to it and to, uh, you know, this is an old joke. <laughs> Uh, probably have heard it. It's it's an apocryphal story, but I'm sure it's not it's not true. But I was told it was true. But it's an apocryphal story about the guy who's charged with murdering his wife, and they never find her body, but they find all kinds of circumstantial evidence that he in fact murdered her and threw her in the Atlantic Ocean or whatever. Lawyer comes in front of the jury after all the evidence is in and says during the closing argument, "You're going to see something spectacular, ladies and gentlemen." The jury, when I count to ten, you see that door. The wife who's supposed to be dead, who my client is accused of murdering, she's going to walk through that door alive and well. They count seven, eight, nine, ten. Every juror turns to the door and it doesn't open. And the defense attorney says, see, you all turned to the door. That means you had to have a reasonable doubt and you must acquit. No, but they convicted and then the lawyer, disappointed, went over to the jurors and said, what did you convict? You all turned to the door to see if the wife walks in. And the jurors responded, your client didn't turn to the door. He didn't look. He knew she wasn't walking in. So these kinds of demonstrative pieces of uh, advocacy sometimes work and sometimes Backfire. So let's look at a couple of letters. Um, here's a letter that just came on online. That's not how the justice system is supposed to work. It isn't a tool to go after your political opponents or people you disagree with. I, I, I agree with that. Um, uh, let's see. Haha, ha, that's a great joke. Thank you. See, this real real time responses. Uh, thank you. Um, okay, let's go to some letters about the last show. Professor, is it possible Donald Trump could get convicted in these cases, not because of the evidence against him, but because of organizations such as the 65 Project have scared so many competent lawyers away, he won't be able to mount a first-rate defense? Not only is it possible, it is certain. I know, because I've spoken to some of the lawyers. It is absolutely certain that good, competent, qualified lawyers have been scared away by this Project 65 and, and, and perhaps by uh, other considerations. Um, look at what happened to me when I defended Trump. Uh, you know, the library canceled me. The community center canceled me. My local synagogue canceled me. Everybody canceled me. All my friends canceled me. Um, I lost weight on what I called the Trump diet because nobody invited me to dinner. Uh, that's okay with me, but a lot of lawyers are going to be very upset about that. Um, New York Times ran articles about how Trump lucked out by getting Judge uh, Cannon to oversee the case and how she may be biased in favor of Trump. I haven't seen any evidence of that. She made one controversial ruling that was reversed by the 11th Circuit. Remember when the government searched Mar-a-Lago, they seized all of his papers, including what they admit were lawyer-client privileged materials. This was before there was a ruling that maybe he waived the privilege. This is when the privilege was intact. And, and, and the government said, well, we'll have our own people decide what's privileged, what's not. We'll read everything. We'll read the privileged material. And then we'll say, oh, it's privileged. We shouldn't have read it. And 
In fact, the trial lawyers won't do it. It'll be a taint team. Oh, yeah, they have lunch in the same place and they use the same bathrooms and they socialize together. But don't worry, the taint team won't, with a wink and a nod, tell the trial team anything. So you don't have anything to worry about. Well, Judge Cannon said, maybe we do have something to worry about. And so she appointed a special counsel, um, uh, a monitor to go through the papers, a former judge, and look to see what's privileged, what's not. And that was reversed by the 11th Circuit. I have news for you folks. She was right. The 11th Circuit was wrong. That's the right approach to have an outsider, somebody who has nothing to do with the Justice Department, separate out the privilege from the unprivileged. So I'm not one of those who believes that she's necessarily biased because she ruled one way. All right. Can Fox stop Tucker Carlson from expressing his thoughts on Twitter? or any other social media platform if he is receiving no compensation and there's no formal agreement in place. Apparently they're trying, and I would hope not. I would think the First Amendment doesn't allow restrictions on his uh, free speech. They'll say that it's part of an old contract for which he was paid. We'll see. We'll see how the courts decide. Um, um, Somebody complained about me. Iran, the most repressive regime in the world. No way. That goes to North Korea. All right. Good contest. But uh, they're equally bad. I think um, I think Iran executes more people. Uh, North Korea imprisons more people. It's a good Olympics. Uh, and they probably each get uh, goals. All right. One more question. Alan, can you comment on Kremlin spokesman Sergei Lavrov's statement that Adolf Hitler had Jewish ancestry. Yeah, who cares um, what a person's ancestry is? Um, so, you know, maybe four generations in the past, he had a, a illegitimate father or who knows. Uh, you know, he, he, um, he was what he was. And um, uh, there is, have been a rumor for years that one of the reasons he was so anti-Semitic is because he had been accused of having Jewish ancestry. God forbid. Oh, my God. I, I, I think it's, it's an historical oddity, but it has no real, uh, no real significance. People should be judged by who they are and what they do, not who their grandparents are. See you tomorrow. I think we'll be dealing tomorrow with more Trump. We'll be dealing with the um, arraignment that we will not see on television, but we will read about and hear about, and you'll hear me comment about it. See you tomorrow. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.